I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on Etteland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Darren Driver, the new Leeds United ticketing system of the podcast. I'm taking a bad thing and I'm making it worse. And I'm joined today by Josh Hobbs, the ticket phase one of the podcast. He's hung around and complained for so long that he's finally got the recognition he wanted all along. And finally, the ticket buying phase is 2 to 27 of the podcast. He, like the rest of us, hasn't got a clue what's supposed to be going on. It's Tom Alderson. How are you doing, Taldo? It's nice to see you, buddy. Yeah, I had the joy of that ticketing system on. Well, I tried on Monday because n- n- none of us had a clue what was going on, did we? So I tried on Monday, no luck, because I wasn't stupid enough to have a membership 10 years ago. What, you, you didn't have a membership when you didn't need one, Tom? You, you're not a proper lead? No, I was also 14, and like, it was like, <laughs> I didn't have any money, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I didn't buy a membership until Bielsa's first season. I yeah, say, I did. You know, you're not alone yeah. there. Yeah. But then I, yeah. I got some. T- I managed to get tickets on Tuesday somehow, by some miracle. And then I thought that was going to be the only stupid Leeds United thing I'd have to deal with this week. And then they've moved the, the game on Sunday to quarter to seven, which is like, I'm being told by people on Twitter it's only 45 minutes. Well, that's all well and good, but some of us have to get trains home and don't just live in Leeds. But that probably doesn't make us proper Leeds fans to those people. No, well, I, as you know... Uh, well, you may not know, Tom. I, I live a ten-minute walk from the stadium, so I don't give a shit how 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 late your train has to be. Yeah, uh, as to- <laughs> <laughs> I'll see uh, you, you outside, you enjoy- Darren. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Outside Ellen Road, yeah. I'll see you by Billy, mate. All right, no problem. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, yeah. I know that has caused some that has caused some problems for some people, including. Uh, including Jacob of this parish, and I know it is a real pain in the arse when the club have decided to take take a decision to move it like that at the last minute. Um, anyway, someone who that won't be affecting, I don't think, is Mr. Josh Hobbs. Hey, Dean Hobbsy. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, yeah, one of those where I, I have nothing to comment on that one because I'll just have people going, well, you weren't going anyway. Um, so, no, nothing, you know, nothing to say on that, but it seems a bit of a crazy situation um 
feel for those people that are affected but i'm i'm good um lots of sick children in my household which is not so good but um but i'm doing fine hey hobsy um the kickoff of that game being moved back by 45 minutes does that mean you'll have a legitimate excuse to miss bedtime on sunday <laughs> um <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens we'll see. is this josh's we'll bedtime see. or the kids bedtime <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, judging by his Twitter activity, I think Hobbsy stays up later than eight o'clock most days. Um, I, I only know that because I check the following morning because my bedtime is around half eight <laughs> usually. So uh, this is going to be pushing things anyway. Anyway, let's stop talking uh, nonsense and p- trying to pad out the the podcast, uh, and let's go to Hobbsy who can plug our brand new, sparkling, marvellous new um, Patreon. Hobbsy, over to you. Yeah, um, yeah, launched it a few uh, few weeks ago. It's been it's been good. Been doing um, four uh, videos a month. Uh, so I'm doing tactical videos and player analysis videos. So uh, this week I've made a tactical video um, looking at why I've called it good press, bad press. I think you'll be able to <laughs> to figure that that one out what it what it's about. But just looking at how things have worked in Australia, how Leeds are improving uh, in the press under Marsh, but some pretty glaring uh, errors that I I looked at. And yeah, so if you sign up to the Patreon, uh, you can get those videos. You can get ad free versions of this podcast, and starting from uh, next month there'll be two bonus podcasts uh, a month which will be sort of ad hoc in terms of what we talk about we'll see what's what themes crop up as as the months go on and uh i forgot to say this last week so let's not forget it this time it's patreon.com slash asaw if you want to sign up for that be very grateful Um, okay, let's move on to start going through the content uh, of this podcast, such as it is. It's going to be a little bit bitty because, as Taldo pointed out just before we started recording, we're in that bit of bit of preseason where we've kind of done a lot of talk about what's happened in preseason. Um, we've covered most of that, um, but we're not close enough to the season to fully preview that. So it's kind of unsatisfactory either way, really. Um, so that's going to be the the nature of. of don't of this. turn off the podcast like no. listen listen through no because we'll talk about things been you know we'll talk about an unsatisfactory amount of content in quite an entertaining way i hope so um and let's start with the biggest news of the week um which is that leaf davis has um now moved to ipswich on um a permanent deal um tom i was somewhat surprised uh, through the, through this preseason to hear and see that some people seem to be considering um, Leif Davis to be a viable left-back option um, for the season, including for at least some minutes, Jesse Marsh seemed to be fitting into that category. Um, so how do you reflect on this as a, as a as a thing and how do you reflect on, on Leif Davis as, as a... Sorry, let me start that question again. So, yeah, um, how do you reflect, Tom, on, on, this, on this move for Davis? Yeah, I think people's take on Davis is kind of... I kind of put it down to two matches. I think it's that one he played against Villa when he was kind of thrown in. Um, and he did, he did quite well in that match by all accounts. And then I think the other match that springs to mind, there might be another one, but they, these are the two that spring to mind for me, are when we played City, I think in the COVID season. And he, I think he came on as a sub and he did well in that game by all accounts. But 
apart from that, we haven't seen a whole lot of him. Um, and from I'm, I'm not a massive watcher of the championship, so this this would be quite good if like someone like Adam was on. But like, I don't think he was great for Bournemouth last year. Um, so I when he came back, I was never really considering him as an option. Um, and I think he's well whilst he has had those two highlights, I don't think he is really up to this level. So. I think he was only really considered as an option for the left back position because he was one of the few left backs that was in the squad and was fit. Um, I actually think Ipswich would probably is about his his level. I think he'll probably do quite well, and I think it's a nice move for him. Um, I'm just hoping that that move is going through with the idea that we're going to get another left back through the door who is more suited to our our level. We're gonna have the impossible job of replacing Leif Davis, then, eh? Is that, is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, me? but like, it's, nothing's going to be as good as very good Davis, is it? So like, it's going to be disappointing whatever we get. That's very, that's very true. Uh, Hobbsy, two questions. What do you think is Davis's level? You presumably watched him a fair bit in, uh, for Bournemouth last season, or watched him when he played for Bournemouth last season. And can you clear up how tall he is? Because no one seems to know. Firstly, um, no one watched him a fair bit for Bournemouth last season because he didn't play. Oh, no, of course he didn't. <laughs> he, he only played like seven games. So people people seemed to think that because they'd got promoted and he was there that he must have like played a part in that. But um, they had uh, they had their own like homegrown left back who I can't, the name has completely gone out of my head. Um I feel stupid forgetting his name right now, but um, they had their own homegrown left back uh, who played basically all the minutes. And in fact, one at least one of um, Davis's um, appearances for them, his starts came starting on at right wing. So that <laughs> that should that should tell you, you know, a, a fair bit. Um, it was Jordan Zamora. That's oh, yeah, the that's guy, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who, who was playing left back for them, um, and he was far better. Um, so yeah, I think I think League One is a good move uh, for him. I think that's his level. I'm surprised to see. Like, I don't know if this was said officially or if this was like. I think it was reported in the like Oxford press, but they were saying it's a record fee for a defender moving to League One, which I think. That seems crazy to me because I don't I don't know if I would say he's that good to spend a record fee on, but um, yeah, I mean if Leeds have got around a million quid for him, that's a good deal for us. Um, Orta's done well there. People often say um, you get there's lots of under twenty three signings that never make the grade, and it's like yeah, but we've just got a fee far more than what we would have spent when we brought him into the club. So that that's a win. Um but as far as how tall he is, uh, not very. Um <laughs> don't don't know the uh, the official height. Let, let's let's ignore all um listed heights because they're always nonsense I think. But I don't think he's 4 foot 8 or whatever transfer marked probably says he is. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair enough. And yeah, as Tom says, we we'll always have very good Davis, won't we? So yeah, I think he, I think his I think his reputation was kind of made by that like because Bielsa said that once I think people have it in his head of oh he must he must have been you know a prospect it's like well he was a prospect but not every prospect can kick on and and there's something in that isn't there Hobbsy about like when when we talk about recruitment and we know that that Leeds do spend a lot of time bringing young players into the into the 21s and 
and most of whom are prospects, that it's a kind of cautionary tale, really, isn't it? That we can't expect, we can't reasonably expect every single player that we bring in, you know, and who's kind of talked about in in positive terms to actually make the grade in the Premier League. Like that's not realistic, and I think some people sort of assume that that's just going to happen because we've had re- some reasonable successes with that recently. Well, I think the big one at the moment is uh, Lewis Bate, who is one that I personally am really high on on Lewis Bate and loved watching him. Uh, in PL2 last season Um, but he now has to take a step away from the Leeds first team and look to play football lower down the pyramid Um, I think he will still be a Premier League player um, but it's just one of those stories of um, that shows that development it doesn't necessarily just go upwards it's not just linear as as the the phrase goes Um, You'll see someone like so Bate and Tino Livramento both left Chelsea with similar reputations. Um, both moved to similar levels of clubs, and Livramento flew in the Premier League, and and Bate took a long time to get an opportunity, and the opportunities that he had did okay, but also struggled um, with with physicality. So he has to now go and and sort of learn a bit more and, and come back and have a second go. Davis might become a Premier League player in the end, later on in his career. I would say probably not, but you can't rule it out if he starts like tearing it up now. So if these things happen. Yeah, absolutely. I hope Bate is for Leeds. Let me just say that. I hope he comes back next season. I hope this is his Ben White season. Yeah, what what are your thoughts about that, that Tom? Because I think you would have enjoyed watching Bate in the 23s at times last season and his appearances in the first team. So what what do you make of of, of where he's, you know, the fact that he's probably going to go out on loan and play at a lower level before hopefully coming back? Yeah, I think it would, it would do him good. Like, there's, I know Bielsa was always big on having, keeping players in-house to do their development, but I think generally <clears throat> for most players it's better to send them out on loan um and just to get that experience of playing a full season rather than just getting bits of at the end of games. Um, yeah, I think if if he can play in a team that's like suits play like play a good style of football that would suit him, then I think it can only do him good, and he could come back and either ready to sort of play a part as part of the squad, or um, perhaps maybe move, do one more loan up and then come on. But yeah, I, I think it's just a, this is definitely a good thing for him and something that's necessary. I'm just always wonder about whether he'll fall into a similar trap to Jamie Shackleton and that he is quite quite small and maybe whether the physicality of the Premier League might sometimes might be a bit too much in the fullness of time but obviously that's you know speculation and he may, he may well be able to to um find ways of getting around that anyway let's move on Hobbsy, what's the latest on the Charlotte de Quetelara um situation is, is it is it just about just about to be revealed in a Milan shirt um, it it kind of seems that way. It, it seems that they are very close, but <laughs> I mean the thing is, they have been very close for quite a long time. It seems like they've been haggling over whether they would be like two million in add-ons or three million in add-ons or what. It's, it's that kind of level, and Leeds are still there, as, like just like oh maybe they'll just drop the ball here. But it seems that he's made it very clear that he wants to go there. Um, and I think if he was, if he was convinced by us, then I think by now it, it could have happened. We've clearly had our offer on the table for a long time, uh, and uh, Club Brugger obviously would have wanted would have wanted him to take that deal because it was like five million more 
up front than um, than's been offered by Milan. So, you know, it's it's a shame, but I think I think now we will we will see what we're gonna do. I think it's really interesting because it feels a little bit like the summer when we were trying. I mean, obviously the the party which is saying no is different, but it feels a little bit like that summer when we were trying to when Brighton were saying we're not going to sell Ben White to you, so stop waving money at us and we just kept putting another two million on the pile or whatever but I'm, I know it's more about the player on this occasion and that that does make it different but there is a similarity there I think I think with that one I guess it was um we were probably thinking well eventually we'll hit the magic number and they'll just they'll just say yes and it's fine whereas in in this case this is like two clubs trying to sign a player we happen to be the preferred option for the club because we're offering more money but ultimately the the player is going to have the power because that they can't force him to go to us. If that's the comparison, then Darren, does that mean we're going to end up with the Diego Llorente equivalent for a striker? <laughs> well, I think I think you'll find it was it was Robin Koch. Okay, who was Robin Koch on better. that occasion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, but that's it raises an interesting point, Tom. Because how much longer can we wait? You know, to to or do you think there's probably moves going on in the background to? to kind of get another striker in, in motion because it feels to me like we should have moved on and pushed the button on another player, maybe Callum Wendow or or somebody else by now. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm kind of more the, the same side of that, that. I'd rather just have someone in if, if it's not the first choice. I just I think if Decatur Lara was going to happen, I think it probably would have happened by now. Um, it feels like Milan are waiting for Leeds to pull out so they can be the only offer on the table and we're waiting for Milan to pull out. Um, but I imagine that it's not going to be a case of we're waiting for Decatur and well, I hope it's not the case that we're waiting for Decatur and if that doesn't happen, we've got to start from scratch. I think we'll have probably personal terms and fees agreed with other clubs for other options. And if we want to switch, it should hopefully be a fairly easy task. But you just like that the nearer we get to the season, it just if it takes a player longer to bed in. So I'd, I think you're getting to the point now where we've got to be sort of making a call on it if Decatur isn't happening. I've got to get someone else through the door, whoever that may be. Hobbsy, you'd have wanted this sorted by now. We would have wanted this other player in, I think, wouldn't we? Like before the final friendly, and because it looks like Bamford's probably not quite sharp yet. He do, he doesn't look, look like he's quite there to me. Um, so that that means that we're going into the season with essentially one of the potentially with exactly one of the same problems that we had for significant portions of last season. Yeah, I I mean. I I get the impression that we thought we would get Decatur Lara by going ahead of Milan and making making the bid uh, early and being able to just basically blow them out of the water straight away. And I, but I think that slightly relied on Rafinha basically going when we got the bid in from Chelsea because that's when that's when the news first sort of broke. Um, that we had the interest in Indicator Lara. But obviously then it kind of dragged out because um, he didn't want to go to Chelsea <laughs> and um, we will then had to wait for Barcelona and that gave Milan their time uh, to, to get themselves together and make some derisory bid that they've eventually <laughs> got up to near what what is required. Um so yeah, I I think we probably thought we would get him in in time. I probably not in time for Australia because I don't I don't think that was going to happen. But I think we thought it would be close. At least he would be training back at 
back at Thorp Arch and ready to be involved in some way uh, against uh, Cagliari. But obviously, that's not how it's played out. We could have moved on earlier. And I, I understand that argument for sure. Um, but what I would say is, as someone that's watched a lot of him, he was worth hanging on for on the chance that something could have happened. Because it did seem like Milan were just not going to get themselves together. Uh, and it's it kind of felt for a while like this this deal would fall through. And I, I would say even it's so weird because even now they're on like the verge of completing it. There's still a part of me that's like, they're going to be like, actually, we don't have this money. Uh, like it, I'm sure they will pull it off, but it's just, it's been dragging so much that that thought is still there. And he's such a good player uh, that I can see why they hoped, especially as like Callum Wendo feels just one role in the team really, which is the, the striker that's going to run beyond the last uh, last man pin defenders back. He he, I think he'll be a real like penalty box uh, threat if we get him. But um, the Catalara can be the number nine. He can add technical quality as an attacking midfielder. Um, on either side, he can play as the ten. Like I mean, I even watched him earlier this week in a, a different game. I was scouting elsewhere. He was. Um, playing in a midfield three as like a like an eight running from deep uh so he's just got he's so versatile and so good in every position that i think it was worth it but yeah i don't even know if it will be calimwendo now who who knows we we might get surprised with someone else just coming out of the woodwork <laughs> i was like you were say coming out of blackburn then um <laughs> <laughs> well uh Hobbsy, what's the latest on left backs well we, we got linked with philip max from psv yesterday it's not surprising about that one considering that we clearly liked cody hackpo um from psv and he just plays behind him <laughs> so we probably were just watching a lot of psv games and went hey that left back's all right as well he's one that we know uh let's just get him but i i think it makes sense because uh psv play well they've got a new manager now but uh last season they played a similar kind of style to how marsh plays um roger schmidt was another who who'd worked in um the Red Bull um stable let's call it that um so yeah he, he I think he would know the kind of where he's supposed to be when the team's pressing and and so on and I think Junior probably doesn't really know that so well plus there's other issues and he's broken um but you can see I think with Christensen on the right he knows how to support the the pressing players in in front so he's often like you might find that someone breaks through the press and then he's just there to just win it as that sort of last line of it um so yeah you could see that with max although i would say that he doesn't have the kind of physical presence uh that christensen has and he's probably more of a like he's a good creator like getting in good crossing positions uh, so that would be good but I think quite a lot of us maybe are we under this sort of system. We probably all want to see someone who's just a, a good defender at the moment. Um, like I want him to be able to attack, but someone who can attack well but is just awful defending would be a problem. I'm not saying he's awful defending, 
but I'm also not saying it's something that I look at him and go, ah, yeah, good defender. I mean, that wouldn't be a that wouldn't be a hugely tangible upgrade on Junior, would it? If 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 that was the case, because Junior has got some attacking quality, but it's defensively where he often looks really suspect and like he might get caught out. I think he would be um, he would be an upgrade in the sense that he would be regularly available. Um, yeah, because yeah. Junior's brokenness is is a massive part of the problem, right? Yeah, because there's part injured. of me that thinks there's been games, and a lot of people won't agree with me on this. But there has been games where I've thought, oh, may, like maybe he's kind of getting it here, maybe, and then he's then he's injured straight every time that happens. He misses the next four. Like he can never get a long enough run in the team to to settle. I agree, and and I actually agree with you that I think he's had some games where he's looked like he he might be be getting hold of things. Hey, uh, Tom, what about these rumours that the 74-year-old internet cyclist Ben Foster might be joining us as a backup goalkeeper? Yeah, that'll be fine. You get an experienced goalkeeper, which we've, would be nice to have behind Melier and get some YouTube out of it. So I'm sure that's what the that's what the kids like, isn't it? It's what the kids like. Well, you're, you're, you're in this call, you're the kid. I am the child, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you like it? Um, it's not for me, but <laughs> we can ask Joe Hill. I'm sure Joe Hill will love it. <laughs> Joe Hill likes roll, likes uh, uh, skateboard and and, uh, and Joe Hill likes TikTok. TikTok. Does he like I don't TikTok? Know. Uh, he might do. Okay, I, I assume that he does because he's he's young. Um, he's not evil. He's just young. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tom, how do you reflect on the Australia tour as a whole? We've not really had a chance to catch up with you about it because you've not been on a podcast for a couple of weeks. So, how how have you? What have you made of it all? Um, of the of the fixtures, of the way the teams played, of the development of the tactical side of things? Yeah, I don't. Um, I think it's been good seeing uh, Leeds play against different op- styles of opposition. Um, if you throw the Blackpool game to it as well, like you had sort of Blackpool and. Brisbane, who were sort of teams that sat back, or Bob in Blackpool's case, they just stood there. Um, but yeah, they sort of like we got to see Leeds play against a team that was going to just sit in and see if we can do that against a team that I'm, I'm sure it will happen at least a few times this year where we're going to have to try and break a team down. And um, that just worry me a bit from that those games. But then you got the difference in those. You've got the Premier League opposition, there's the Palace and the the Villa games as well. So, um, and I think it was it was nice. There was obviously from those first two games um, against easier opposition. There was it's hard to make as much of the tactics that that we will see as much this year. Um, 
there was some definite signs because I think I and we were like quite scathing and marsh for like not show, really showing as much aside from the first half against Leicester last year. So it was nice to see some sort of his sort of principles coming through um, into the team. There's still like I still have like concerns about or the attacking play just generally. Just I think it's going to be a bit hit and miss, and we're going to be sort of riding our luck to an extent. Uh, but that's almost like a f- sort of as as a result of the, like the Red Bull style of football. Um, and the, the, the pressing's looking better. I think probably better by the game. But um, obviously, I'll probably touch on this more, like having done his video. Um, that there's still there's just still work that can be done. Um, so I think it it seems for me it's like the, after watching all the tour matches, like it's getting there. But there's still like more stuff I'd like to see. And it was it was nice just getting um, the Australia tour. We got to see like more of the signings as well, which which was nice because we hadn't seen that. If we saw anyone against Blackpool, maybe one. I can't remember. A uh, rocker, rocker. Yeah, it's all rocker. Yeah, yeah, and he played well. Yeah. So just thinking about the attacking side of things, Tom, because because I guess my question to you really is because um, you're right. One of the things that you said frequently towards the end of last season was that um, you you weren't really able to notice any discernible tactical style that was happening, or it didn't look like the the, the style we'd been sold on. Um, I guess from my point of view, I I wonder whether whether your concerns are about the the attacking are. That you can't see the tactical development there, or whether you can see the tactical development there, but worry that it's not going to be effective. Yeah, most the, the second one. Yeah, I think there's like there is development there. There's like signs of what um, Marsh wants to do, but I just worry if it's actually going to be effective in the Premier League. Um, especially like we kind of rode it through Rafinha a lot last season, um, and when you haven't got a player of his ability to sort of get you out of those situations where the attack, the system's not working, or you're having to break down defence, we haven't really got that anymore, which is my concern. So we're going to be very open to the opposition sort of playing into our hands and getting those chance, enough chances and um, to to score enough goals. A lot of narrow first touch type, you know, um, first time passes and little flicks around the corner and uh, runners coming and following and into the into the. Yeah, into the zone where the ball is, like you, like you can definitely see that coming. I, I think, yeah, like you, it is just that thing about whether whether that's actually because it hasn't created a huge number of chances in preseason. I think that's my been my concern, Hobbsy. What about you? I think that there's been some good moments, like um, the chance that Rodrigo basically like could, it was like he didn't decide what he wanted to do. Where he could have taken a shot across goal. I think he thought Aronson was following him in which, to be fair, he, he probably should have been. And so he just leathered it out for a throw. Um, that was like a good example of one of those like up and through uh, passes. So Leeds won the ball just around halfway. Um, and then I think Llorente played a, a forward pass and Bamford managed to, like outside of the foot, turn it around the corner. And that put Rodrigo through. And I there were quite a few more examples of things like that, but unfortunately quite quite often we kind of stacked it before we got the shot away um it's like that there that doesn't go down as a chance because he's on the stats he's crossed it um but in terms of opportunities like i would say that was there um but the sort of individual player execution of that particular plan uh let us down on on a few occasions and i would say that um I hope that as you get the sort of um, preferred, I, I want to say the preferred starting eleven, but I'm also aware of the fact that I think Marsh will chop and change it quite a bit. 
Um, but I think as they sort of get more uh, more used to playing together, more used to the movements that they're each making, I think they will kind of sync up a little bit more about when they release the ball. And I think it will get sharper. I think loads of subs doesn't help in those kinds of situations. So I hope in terms of chance creation and pressing, uh, we see improvements in the calorie game because I hope Marsh will keep the team together for like maybe an hour before he makes changes. Because um, I think that's needed. I think there's one one thing I'd add on is like the players need to get used to that sort of chopping and changing. Like we've, we've also got five subs in the Premier League next year, which is new. Um, and with yeah, the lack of it depth... won't be the same though. It's it's not the same like in preseason where you get like we saw changes in first half and stuff. Like obviously that happens when you're forced to, but you we've seen like ten subs, which is not the kind of thing that you will see. It's more like the wonder with like lack of depth. We'd never really had it before, where we've been able to change the team. So it's something that like the team itself will have to get used to. And like like you said, Josh, like the effect it'll have on the attacking play, but probably more the pressing. Um, I thought it was quite notable when Sinistera went off injured that Rodrigo came on. It was like a complete change. So it's just I think it might take a while for the the team, but also like watching it just to get to get used to that different aspect that which we haven't had in previous years. And that's a nice segue, thanks for providing that for me, Tom, to give Hobbsy um, an opportunity to, to tell us about what he's learned about our pressing, because as you said, you've done a, a video uh, for it on our new Patreon, which is uh, which we talked about earlier. Um, so tell us what you learned about the pressing uh, in that, and, and what you talked about in that video, Hobbsy. Yeah, so I think if, if you remember back to those games, the, the pressing sort of came like flying out the blocks in in all of those games we pushed really high really early caused a lot of uh panic uh where it looked like it was working like winning balls high up um causing their defenders and goalkeeper to boot the ball out of play um and really important that the timing of the runs from each of the pressing players um was pretty well synced up but one thing that I noticed is that that never seemed to last longer than about 20 minutes or so uh, in each game, which makes me wonder, is that something that Marsh was basically like wanting to see them work on for a period of the game, but knowing they didn't quite have the fitness yet to be doing it longer? So it's something I'm interested to see uh, against Cagliari. Will we see the press last for lo- for? <laughs> a whole game or I mean as it happens I'm not sure if this kind of pressing is something that you do for a whole game whereas Bielsa's man-to-man press is just full out the whole way through it it kind of never drops in intensity whereas this is a bit more of a situational press um so you can be in a mid block for normal um normal defensive shape but then maybe it goes to the right-sided center back and that's your key everyone goes to press at that moment um but you have to snap into that and something that uh we did see uh, Tom's obviously mentioned it already but we like when Rodrigo's on the pitch and I've highlighted this in the video uh particularly noticeable against Crystal Palace because it had been looking very good to start with when you had Aronson uh playing as the number 10 uh and then Harrison and um Harrison and Sinistera either side that 
was a really snappy press. But once Rodrigo was there, he was always like a yard behind. And that's all it takes. If you're a yard behind uh, and that means there's a gap and that means that the opposition team have an exit route so that their central midfielder is free because the uh, attacking midfielder is not pressing them. Uh, and, and that's all it takes. Or you saw him go to press, but he doesn't press um, in the way where he angles his body so that he cuts off the passing lane. Um, I, I don't want to bash him every time because it, I think we've had a bit of a rep for that. But also it's just the unfortunately the truth, he is not good at pressing. So if you're a pressing team and he's in it, there is a problem there. Yeah, I agree with you, and I'm going to resist the urge to talk about Rodrigo anymore um, at this point too. So hopefully Sinistero won't be out for for too long. It, it seems like that's not a particularly serious injury. Yeah, we haven't had we haven't had it confirmed at this point in time, but I, I think if it was a bad one, I, my guys would have heard about it already. But partly because I think if it like say he'd like torn his hamstring or something, then Leeds have got a even though they've spent 20 million on him, they've got to sign somebody else. <laughs> but, and, and we're not hearing anything about that. Um, so I guess, I guess it's okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, Jesse Marsh said recently um, in his most recent, one of his more recent interviews, um, I don't know how many years I've been a manager now, but I've literally never come out of preseason and gone into the season feeling like we're ready. Tom, what do you make of those Comment. I don't. I don't want to bash him too much. This because there's probably a greater context to this than we're getting. Um, I, for me, I would probably say that isn't that the job of a manager to have a team ready to after preseason to play in the first match. But that might just be me simplifying it a bit. I would. I would say, and I'm going to steal this quote from below. That my first reaction to this was that you can just look at the 18-19 season when we Leeds played Stoke. That 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 team was ready to on the first day. Like very clearly ready, so it is doable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I would have more sympathy for these comments if they come back to bite him if he'd actually sort of done more with the tactical side late last year. Because you would think that if he'd have done that, then he could have spent preseason refining that, and then we'd be able to be better to start the season this year rather than trying to cram it into the to the off season. But yeah, I just it, the comments don't particularly sit well with me. But I'm just I'm not gonna sort of go in on Marsh too much for them. Hobsey, what do, what do you think? Cause I, I, I thought they were interesting, uh, actually. I, I, I didn't necessarily have a strong emotional reaction to them either way. I just I just thought they were worth a discussion. Yeah, I, I think that a negative reaction to it is quite weird to me because you would h- hear Bielsa say all the time, like, I always think I can prepare more, like, I'm never ha- satisfied. Like, this is just that, I think but just said in a different way uh, and not said through a translator. Like um, maybe it's one of those things that Marsh doesn't need to be so open about, but he's just, I think he's just saying, you know, I, I have a perfect picture of how this is supposed to look in my head and we're not quite there yet, but we get there as the season goes on. Kind of thing. I, like, I think Bielsa would not say that the eighteen nineteen Stoke game was exactly what he wanted to see in that game. And I've watched it back not that long ago. I watched it back after after he lost his job um, because I was feeling all retrospective and emotional about it. And I, I was actually surprised that it wasn't anywhere near as good as I remembered it. It was very intense, 
and it it was still like a incredibly surprising thing the way that we played was so markedly different from what it was but it was absolutely by no means the finished article of, of Beelzebul like the actual in possession stuff was nowhere near what it became um what there was was a really like marked difference it was very it was man to man and we scored a lovely opening goal um but it wasn't like everything we did was what we saw in in the future like it got way 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 better than that uh, but it but nothing kind of compares to that moment because it was like for all of us that watched that it was like some kind of like spiritual awakening but <laughs> but it wasn't the perfect beelzebul and i wouldn't and i i wouldn't hold marsh to like it needs to be the perfect version of your way of playing from now on and 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 i would also have a rebuttal to the um end of last season thing of like i think he made the call that he felt was right at that time which is we need to like i understand the idea of we need to concentrate more on the tactics side of things but i think he felt like i can't get my message across very well here in a mega high stress environment so I'm aiming to do this a bit differently and it will be ugly. But if we achieve it, I've done my job. That's what I kind of see that happened there. Tom, a spirited rebuttal of many of your points by Mr. Josh Hobbs. Yeah. I'm going to give you the floor again. Yeah, it was, it was more I took the I took being ready as in like being at an actual level to play a Premier League game compared to the finished product. And like if that is what it is, then that's fine I'm, that's no problem with that I would think I'd, I would definitely agree that Bielsa would say that that Stoke game wasn't the, the end product but would he have said that we were ready to play that match I would say that he probably yes and we I doubt he ever had a team go into a game not ever ready to play a game or he felt like they were ready to game it just they were never the end I don't product think that's, I don't think that's what's meant yeah yeah. yeah yeah although the word ready is there yeah I, I don't think he's saying that really yeah that's that's why i was like i was saying i don't want to take these out of context too much because i just think it's, it's probably a throwaway comment that we're looking probably too deeply into but yeah and, and i think that because he's not the who the previous manager was that's people want to do that i think and i i, I want to get I, you know i and i know not everyone thinks it and not even everyone on all stats aren't we thinks it but i want to give him a fair shake and i don't want to uh jump on every single thing that that he ever says, even though I will accept that he says a lot. He does say a lot. But I just thought this I just thought this was an interesting interesting and you know, and I'm 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 keeping myself neutral on this one. Uh so, you know, this is this is not me and Tom versus Hobbsey. This is this is me as a neutral facilitator of a discussion. So uh okay, so Thinking about the Cagliari game just briefly, I was going to ask you questions like how do Cagliari play? Why are we playing Cagliari? What can we expect them to do that will test us? Yada, yada, yada. But what has become apparent is that none of us know anything about Cagliari. So what we'll do is we'll just acknowledge that and move on. They got we'll relegated start... last season. We know, we do know that. We do know I that. I didn't and we know do... that, actually, yep. to be fair. <laughs> okay, yep. And Nahitan Nandez is finally going to play at Ellen Road. Yep. So In, indeed, indeed, he is. We do know that from, bloke um, from Team Talk. He's yes, going to be happy. That's good. 
we we do know from Chilino's time in charge of Leeds that Serie B isn't necessarily a fantastic standard. Um, if 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 his signings are to be believed from that, but um, yeah, do you do you expect Hobbsy? Do you expect Marsh's lineup on Sunday um, to be the sort of f- as close as you could possibly imagine to the lineup that we'll see v- versus Wolves? I would hope so. I would hope it's like dry run for an hour, as I kind of alluded to earlier. I so that means Dan James won't play. Uh I think we'll have to see whoever's gonna start left back. Um because I don't think we're gonna do a Barry Douglas situation where we where we sign the left back just a few days before and then he just plays on the uh, on the opening day. So I think we'll probably I imagine we'll see Strauch playing left back and it will be what it was at the start of the uh of the last game, which was with um, Urente and and Koch both both starting at centre back, but yeah, I I think it'll be that. So it'd be interesting to see what we do on the right side of attack because uh, obviously Sinistera started there, but he won't now. I think he probably was earmarked to start there. Um, so I I wonder if we could play Gelhart there with Aronson. And Harris and Harrison behind Bamford, because I think that gives us our best chance of um, having a, a better press. Plus, I just want to see Gelhart in the team as much as possible right now. Uh, and as we've said, I think Rodrigo breaks things, and he will break things against Wolves. So let's try something that we haven't yet tried, which is Gelhart and Bamford in the same team. Yeah, we can't go on forever hoping that Rod- that it suddenly clicks for Rodrigo. Yeah, and no, I think I think we are starting to see that Marsh doesn't necessarily see him as one of the the main starters because in the last two preseason games he didn't start him. Um, he he had to come on off the bench. Um, so I think we're we're starting to see that. But now I think as much as I want Joffy to start, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Rodrigo, because I don't think that Gelhart gets considered for another position until we sign another striker. Tom, what are you hoping to see on, on Sunday before our bare-knuckle scrap at the Billy Statue? <laughs> um, the, the only thing I'd add, add on to that is, like, with Gelhart playing, um, would you see him on the right of the three, or would you see it, like, because we've played 4-2-3-1 the whole pre-season, or would you see us switching to like a four two 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 and it being Bamford and Geldar up front and like probably Harrison on the right. You can have um Joffy as the ten or you can have him on the right, I think. But I think the the beauty of the four two three one slash four triple two is they are very interchangeable and the three behind the one can all rotate around and swap positions pretty fluidly. Um because I think I mean, I would say even in the preseason games, you actually saw at times Bamford became like almost on the right with Aronson as the striker, at least in the pressing situations. Um, I don't, I don't think that's the how it ends up because you want Bamford to get into the box in central areas, but just at least in moments you kind of see it rotate around like that, and I think that's how it will be in either of the formations. And Joffy is, I think, good enough to play in any of those positions. Okay, well, I think that brings us to the end of 
this evening. But we've managed to get a, a good 40, 47, 48 minutes out of that. That was that was really well done, guys. Um, so do enjoy the the Cagliari game if you're able to to make it on on Sunday. Um, we'll be back next week with our big bumper, flashy season preview. Um, podcast and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that and I, I suspect there'll be a state of the squad address at some point too um so do look out for those um and other than that all that is left for me to do is to say go sign up to our new patreon that's one thing other than that thank you very much hobsy cheers mate and thanks tom i'll see you on sunday for the fight darren i'm looking forward to it <laughs> sell it with fists <laughs> bye <laughs> deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.